Hi, and welcome back, everyone. My name is Michael Lindloff, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Unity Wealth Management. And thanks for joining us again this week for our next week today, our live update on what's going on in the market and what we see coming up this week. Uh, as always, we do every Tuesday live, and later in the week, we'll put out a uh, deep dive into a, uh, a specific topic uh, to uh, help you build a better strategy, build a better portfolio. Uh, but with that, always keep in mind everything that we uh, cover on here is uh, for information purposes only. Uh, don't, uh, don't apply any of these strategies without doing your own due diligence or talking to, the, um, talking to a professional advisor. Uh, it is, uh, may not be right for your particular situation. Everyone's unique and every strategy has its own use. Uh, if you have any questions on what we talk about today or any other topics we've covered, uh, always go to mikeonmoney.com. There you can uh, reach out to us, uh, have access to our full library uh, and my calendar as well if you want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So with that, let's jump into things. Uh, by way of COVID update, not much more on the COVID, uh, you know, as far as changes going. Um, we will talk a little bit about the, uh, the, the, the new pills that are going out from, uh, or, or treatment pills, oral pills, I guess, from Merck and, and uh, Pfizer. We'll cover that in today's conversation. We'll talk a little bit about the land borders opening uh, and what that means and, and what numbers we're seeing out of that so far. But other than that, pretty much uh, everything's you know, moving forward as we expected uh, with, uh, with COVID-19 here in Canada and mostly around the world. So let's talk about what's going on in the economy. Uh, coming up, we're looking at the uh, the purchasing index uh, in the United States for October, and also, you know, more importantly, the agricultural supply and demand estimates. So, you know, if you're a shopper or you know you've heard about things, uh, you know, food, you know, inflation's here, uh, and certainly one of the areas that we're seeing a lot more people talk about uh, inflation is around uh, food. Obviously, there's fuel and house prices, and and yes, that does you know those two things will affect people differently. Uh, obviously, home prices. If you already own a home, you know some people are like, well, great, it's going up. Uh, if you're trying to get into the market, of course, that makes it really difficult. But you know, everyone has their own perspectives on those things. Same with fuel, depends on how much you drive. But when it comes to food, we're all out there uh, eating and consuming. And uh, we're seeing a lot of different areas uh, move up. And I think one of the, the, the kind of most relatable um, examples that I've seen in, in the news lately is, you know, American Thanksgiving's coming up and they're comparing the price of, of a turkey uh, compared to last year versus this year. Uh, and there's a significant difference for the same weight of, uh, of turkey. They're, they're looking at anywhere from 20 to $30 more expensive. So that's, that's how significant we're seeing uh, inflation impact food costs. Uh, and I only think that's gonna get a little, you know, worse before it gets better. Uh, and we'll cover a lot of the, the causes and effects in today, but uh, you know, we're looking at those numbers coming out of the agricultural supply and demand uh, estimates later this week. Uh, and that, I think, is going to give us a little bit more insight to how, uh, how much more uh, serious the, the uh, inflation around food is going to get before it gets better. 
stock futures wavered a little bit, especially in the tech markets and down in the United States this morning. Uh, and that's just a little bit, you know, coming off the highs, all-time highs of the, the indexes. Uh, we don't see uh, too much, um, too much really happening to push them down. Uh, as I said, the inflation numbers are still there. Uh, yes, the tightening, um, the, the the U.S. Uh, Fed is looking into uh, ease, you know, the buybacks, ease the uh, quantitative easing effects, uh, but that's all pretty much priced in. Well, I think what we're seeing this morning, uh, yesterday and today, is just taking a little bit of money off the table, and of course, some things going on at Tesla, which we'll also cover uh, in a bit more detail. And of course, with that, Tesla shares, you know, ticked up a little bit pre-market, uh, but uh, today they continued their fall. Uh, after Elon Musk uh, signaled uh, he was looking at selling a big stake, about 10% of his holdings, about $21 billion in, in the company or in, in the stock price. And um, uh, there's a lot more behind that. We'll discuss in a little bit here. Other things going on, um, you know, we're seeing um, kind of flat line of participation, uh, you know, from... The, the, the rise in wages that are leaving the, the Fed in the US, well, really in Canada as well, a bit puzzled. So, you know, we've been talking about inflation, we talk about all the tools uh, and how the Fed was gonna stave off the, the inflationary effects, you know, and try not to use those interest rate, which is kind of their final uh, arrow in their quiver uh, until 2023. So that's been their goal all along and they've been managing quite a bit. They've, you know, faced different challenges of course, we had the supply chain issues, uh, but one of the big thing has been unemployment. So unemployment is still staying fairly high, you know, while we're seeing, you know, this inflation, uh, but a big demand for employees. So, you know, we've got this kind of disconnect, which is, you know, economists will call it stag stagflation, uh, but trying to get people back to work. And we are seeing a, kind of a surge or a lift in the, you know, the pay rates and the pay scales to try to get people back. Uh, but this is their last kind of bottleneck, the last kind of, how are they going to solve for this? Um, you know, because if they raise, you know, even if all the, the wages raised instantly overnight, um, will people go back? But if you do, you're not saving off inflation. In fact, you're just increasing inflation. So it's this fine line that they're walking here between these, these two areas. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's kind of funny, uh, you know, pre, well, I guess not funny if you're in that boat, but pre, pandemic, you know, there was a lot of push for raising the minimum wage, you know, we can't, you know, we can't afford to, to, to work for these wages. And, and you, you know, can certainly see that, that effect when you look at kind of what the take home pay is, you know, for someone even earning the $15 minimum wage, you know, is barely enough to survive on, or keeping above poverty levels anyway. Uh, you know, and, and at the time, you know, a lot of the, uh, the pushback was like, well, if you don't like it, get a better job. Well, through the pandemic, they went and got a better job. Some stats that I've seen uh, shows of every three uh, jobs that were lost at the beginning of the pandemic or during the shutdown, um, you know, two of those people, you know, two of the three have gone back, but not in the same location. They went on to do different work. So one of the three, you know, did only one of the three actually went back to the same jobs. Uh, and a lot of that centralized around the hospitality industry, you know, whether it be restaurants, travel, um, hotels, uh, and if you've gone to any of those establishments, if you've been out to the hotels, if you tried to travel, uh, 
uh, or gone to the restaurants, you know they're short-staffed and, and, and they're struggling. Uh, and, and it's a combination of low age and also people just saying, you know, I don't want to work in those industries. So the U.S. Fed is really, uh, and, 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 and we're using their numbers for this discussion, but, you know, a lot of that is, is global, is uh, they're having a hard time getting people to go back to those locations. And that's going to be a big challenge to kind of get through this stagflation uh, period in the markets that we're, that we're experiencing right now. So I mentioned the COVID-19 pills are coming. Um, but keep in mind, uh, experts across the field are saying this is not a substitute for a vaccine. Yes, they've had great results, especially especially the Pfizer one. The Merck one's been good. I think the Pfizer numbers have, have come out as you know more effective uh, as far as the percentage go. But both uh, both being good. In fact, I think I saw that the U.S. just put in a, a billion dollar order for for the Merck. Um, for the Merck bills, uh, and the Merck is certainly further along in some of their approvals in the EU. Uh, but uh, all these things do is once you have COVID, so once you already have COVID, can pre hopefully prevent a hospital stay. So the, the, the odds now you, you got it, vaccinated or not. Um, obviously, if you're vaccinated, you've already got a really, really good chance of not being hospitalized. Uh, but if you are uh, feeling the symptoms, um, or having harsh symptoms, uh, these oral medication, rather than being hospitalized, your doctor can just prescribe these, you can take them at home, and you know, on top of the vaccines, even another 90% uh, chance of, of keeping you out of the hospital and keeping the symptoms uh, and effect of the, uh, of the virus um, you know, minor. So great news that, uh, that that's out there. Still doesn't change the, uh, the need for the vaccines, uh, obviously, because the vaccines don't uh, don't just help you get better, but prevent other people from getting sick, but also keep the the virus from mutating, for more variants uh, from coming out. So the pills don't do that; the vaccine does. Uh, higher prices spell no demand problems for uh, Uber and Lyft. So Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, as as you would expect, you, uh, shut down quite a bit during the pandemic. As people weren't traveling, people weren't out moving around, uh, moving about, going to restaurants and things like that. Uh, so Uber and Lyft, uh, you know, are emerging back from that pandemic, uh, getting busier and busier. Uh, but one of the problems both the companies had was profitability, just really, you know, turning a dollar or turning profits on all those rides or on all those services. Uh, and what we've seen coming out of the pandemic is that they've been leaner, uh, lower cost companies, you know, they got rid of a lot of uh, extra overhead, uh, but there's all, they've also been able to raise some of their prices without the riders either noticing or without, you know, alienating them using the, uh, the services. So, you know, that bodes well, bodes well for Uber and Lyft uh, investors and for the companies, uh, because that's something they've really struggled with. In fact, pre-pandemic, I don't think Uber had a profitable quarter uh, since they went public. So, uh, you know, be able to turn that around uh, after, you know, the, the, the massive drops in, uh, in uh, customers that they had during the shutdowns uh, is a good kind of a silver line into the whole story for them. Uh, another news, uh, you know, open for business. The U.S. is welcoming people back across the border from Canada and New Mexico. Uh, so this is obviously the, uh, the land borders, uh, you know, reopened yesterday. Uh, you you could, could fly. And of course, Canada also lifted the restrictions saying, you know, they were discouraging non-essential travel for Canadians. They've lifted that. 
Uh, so all that, that's good. A lot of the conversation now has turned to the, the Canadian requirement for the PCR test. Uh, so obviously, if you travel to another country, you might require a test to go to that country, um, depending on which country you're going to. I think the U.S. is in the process of lifting their test pre-test requirements as long as you're vaccinated. Uh, but Canada still requires when you return to have that that PCR test. And they can be expensive. You know, a lot of cases, uh, you know, anywhere from, I've heard as high as $200 US in some cases to get that test to come back. Um, and that's for every person in your group, you know, so if your family, you know, that can add up quite a bit. And, and of course, if you're only traveling for a short period of time, if you're only going across the border for two, three, four days, uh, you know, to spend $200 each to come back again, uh, can 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 add up. So there's a lot of pressure right now for the Canadian government to lift that for, for vaccinated individuals. Uh, we are seeing a lot of countries, it's, uh, you know, going down that path now that the passports are in place. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. Right now, Canada still has that PCR uh, requirement. And of course, that PCR requirement is the is the the more uh, strict one. It's not the antigen test, which some countries like the U.S. was requiring, which is cheaper and quicker. The, uh, the PCR test is, is uh, the more intrusive one that you got to send off and usually uh, hopefully get your results within 24 hours because they're only good for 72 hours for travel. So anyway, uh, that's what's going on as far as the U.S. border. We have seen, uh, you know, kind of when they first opened, there were some lineups at the border for people to get across, but not as much as everyone expected. Uh, there is, a, you know, as I said, a lot of hesitancy because you do need that test to come back. So I think a lot of people, unless they're going for a longer period of time, uh, maybe a week or, week or so, they're really not thinking about uh, driving across the border anytime soon. Uh, U.S. consumers' income and spending expectations is reaching eight-year high. So, you know, one of the things that they look at in the economy is what people are expecting to spend over the next year and also how much they expect their income, you know, stay the same, go up or go down. Uh, so it's pretty bullish. You know, obviously we're in that inflationary period, incomes are going up uh, and people are expecting to spend more, uh, but most that spending, you know, they are targeting towards, um, you know, not requiring goods, uh, not staples, but, uh, you know, consumer goods. So, you know, all in all, we're seeing uh, you know, pretty optimistic spending uh, habits over the next 12 months. Uh, also the whistleblowers, uh, you know, our fear of losing, uh, you know, funds to key enforcing uh, key enforcement of the US vaccine rules. So, you know, workplace whistleblowers and, and fear of losing your, your federal funds are really pushing people to get their vaccines in the United States. Uh, and even here in Canada more. And so it's not as big of issue in here in Canada because uh, the vaccine, uh, the vaccination rates are really high on their own. Uh, there's obviously some pockets that uh, are lower, but uh, in general, Canada has done quite well on a global basis. Uh, in the U.S., though, you know, as we've all seen, it's been pretty politicized, depending on their state you're in, the vaccination rates are higher or lower. But despite a lot of talk about, hey, I'm not going to get it, I'll quit, or, you know, they'll have to fire me, or, 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 uh, for the most part, we have seen a lot of spikes in the vaccination rates as the, the, uh, the U.S. administration put these requirements in place. So good news overall. As far as you know, things reopening uh, as seamless as possible. Of course, none of that has not has happened without hiccups or without pockets of problems. 
uh, and we'll probably continue to see that a little bit uh, as things move forward. Uh, Biden's top team is uh, going across the United States in a victory victory tour over their $1 trillion infrastructure bill. Honestly, kind of done with this story. This is you know one of these things that have gone back and changed a million times. Um, you know, everything has, has changed from the beginning. It started just over three trillion, now it's a trillion dollars. Some things were taken out, some things were put, put back in. Uh, anyway, it's great that they're getting this done. Obviously, it's been political nightmare for the Democrats in the United States to, to not be able to get this thing through because two of their um, two of their uh, senators uh, wouldn't agree to it, or sorry, two of their yeah senators wouldn't agree to it. Uh, and uh, uh, anyway, it's done. Hopefully, the story's over and we don't have to talk about it anymore. There's no more hiccups with it. So with that, let's take a look at what's coming up this week in the news. Uh, coming up, of course, the Fed chair, uh, Powell, is expected to give an open remarks for the, uh, it's a virtual conference, uh, but to the conference on diversity and inclusion. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. appointed for the first time, uh, you know, Minister uh, for Inclusion and Economics in Finance and Central Banking. Uh, so Canada, England, the European group all get together to kind of talk about that. Uh, and uh, Jerome Powell is going to start things off. And I'll be interested to see kind of what the plan is and how they're going to apply uh, and build that out for the future. Uh, Labor Department is also scheduled to re release those I mentioned, the producer prices data. Uh, the PPI um, is likely to have risen slightly in October. Uh, so you know, again, nothing unexpected coming down that road. And you know, time to talk about those gig companies. DoorDash is expected to post their earnings. Uh, it's expected to be another decline in their, uh, in their quarterly revenues. Uh, and this goes back to the labor shortage. Just being having a hard time trying to find drivers. Uh, you know, of course, during the pandemic, uh, these things boom, DoorDash, skip the dishes, uh, all, all those types of food delivery services where, where, where people, you know, pe people were out of jobs. They were looking for short-term work. They were looking to get paid and people couldn't go to restaurants. So all these things were doing super well doing the takeout services. Now those people are finding jobs, uh, you know, again, uh, pay versus convenience. Uh, people are taking, you know, career paths that are outside the, uh, the delivery services. And, uh, and that's really hurting as they're having to pay more uh, and more to get, to get drivers to, to stay with them or join on. So uh, again, this is all going to come down to that fine balance we talked about uh, earlier today. Also coming up this week in the U.S., uh, Tesla uh, shares have eased since uh, since Musk Twittered, uh, tweeted out about uh, whether or not he should sell 10% of his holdings uh, to pay off his taxes. Um, so this is actually a really interesting story to me. Uh, you know, Elon Musk is always always out there, uh, you know, tweeting things. Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. Uh, but he, you know, out there tweeting things about uh, about the stock prices. So this is all going around the rhetoric of, of tax and billionaires. So of course, you know, it's been in Congress about bringing in the billionaires tax or, you know, taxing the rich. Uh, and, uh, you know, Elon Musk has been very vocal about, you know, hey, don't do this because I'll have to, you know, sell stock off or I'll have to do this, or I'll have to do that. So he put it out there saying, okay, well, if you want me to pay taxes, do you think I should, do you think I should be paying the taxes? I'd have to sell 10% of uh, my holdings. Uh, you know, do you want me to do that? And you know, people on Twitter said, yes, you should. So this is, uh, of course, caused a bit of, uh, of, of a 
a downturn. Uh, the, the stock's off about $100 today, so about 9%. It's still trading about $1,000 US, but um, this, <laughs> this is great because you know Elon Musk, who really doesn't have, you know he's worth billions and billions of dollars, but all his money's tied up in stock. So where he gets most of his spendable cash is borrowing against that stock, you know, paying interest on it. So this gives him the ability to sell off stock without seeming like he's selling off stock at an all-time high uh, in the stock uh, in the stock price uh, in order to pay off some of his personal loans. And yes, he might pay some taxes along the way, uh, which is great because you know everyone should pay the fair share of taxes. Uh, but the way he positioned this was really interesting, and that's why we're seeing. That, uh, that slide uh, in the uh, Tesla stock price uh, over the last couple of days, it's been around him potentially dropping $21 billion of stock onto the market. Uh, obviously be, do, be done in a controlled manner, but still uh, it's a lot of volumes put through the stock market uh, for, uh, for Elon Musk. On the flip side, you know, talk about M&A, uh, you know, since this whole thing has happened, mergers and acquisitions, uh, well, the Advent Group is out there uh, taking McAfee private. Uh, so McAfee, if you're not aware, is a uh, cybersecurity uh, company. Uh, they're looking to take it private in a $14 billion deal. Uh, McAfee has been a very controversial company, uh, mostly due to its founder, uh, which I'll tell you, just go Google it. It's a really interesting story about, you know, when he sold off the company and, and, and you know, what he's, he, he went and did after that and, and, and the controversies he got involved in with. Uh, but uh, they're taking the company back private again, and, and we'll likely restructure it quite a bit, uh, you know, to take advantage of the massive growth that we're seeing and obviously cybersecurity spending around the world. Uh, we've been talking about for a while now, uh, kind of around the, uh, the tech rules for, uh, for companies. We've seen antitrust laws being drafted in the United States. We've seen EU and the, and the U.S. states uh, taking these big uh, global tech giants uh, to court over, uh, you know, how they how they handle their data, how they handle fair competition, uh, and the EU is beefing up their tech rules uh, that could become the global standard. Uh, they've often been leaders. Uh, the EU has often been leaders, uh, especially around the, the uh, kind of tech industry uh, in in putting different rules in place. Uh, and this is mostly targeted around kind of the illegal or misleading online content that's become a big problem. Obviously, Facebook at the center of this and the recent whistleblower testimonies that we've seen from in Facebook uh, in both the US Congress and in front of the EU lawmakers. So uh, we'll look at seeing all the details of this, uh, these new rules, uh, because I think a lot of countries are looking at this and saying, hey, if that looks good, we'll copy it or mine, you know, minor tweaks to it. But that might be the new standard for the tech companies operating globally. As I mentioned, Merck, uh, Merck and Pfizer both have their oral pills out for fighting uh, the symptoms of COVID after you've gotten it. Remember, it's not a prevention. It's not something you want to go buy and take ahead of time. It's not how these things work. Uh, as the, uh, certainly the, the, the early results we've seen for Pfizer and Merck, uh, Pfizer's slightly ahead, but you know, I suppose if you're laying uh, in a hospital, you're not going to complain that you know, Merck's uh, not doing as good a job with Pfizer, but uh, they're both there. Um, Pfizer's just gone, uh, just moving towards their approval. Merck uh, went in for the approval uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, so they're ahead of them, especially in the EU. I think the EU is pretty ready to approve it, the US as well. Uh, but both these things are great news. As I mentioned earlier, it doesn't replace the vaccine and they're not a cure. 
right? Keep that in mind. This is not a cure. Um, you know, these things, and I'm not an expert, but what I've read, these things help prevent the more severe symptoms. And, and keep in mind, help prevent doesn't mean it stops. Just help prevents. It is one more tool in, in the doctor's kit to help us get through this and, and, and alleviate stress on hospitals, uh, especially the ICUs and ventilator systems. Also on the M&A front, uh, Viasat is looking to buy uh, its main competitor, one of its big competitors, uh, Britain's uh, Immarsat uh, for $7 billion. Uh, so these two companies, you know, just broaden in their offerings around satellite and land-based communications as, you know, the demand for moving data around the world faster and faster and more and more data becomes uh, a bigger and bigger market. Uh, so uh, more M&A in that front as well. As far as currencies go this week, uh, the, the upcoming U.S. inflation reports uh, could fuel some speculation that the Fed is closer to raising rates, but uh, so far all they've indicated is they're going to ease back the bond buyback uh, program uh, into 2022, uh, which will put more pressures certainly on the bank rates, uh, but not necessarily raise the discount rates uh, from the Fed to, to the banks. Uh, but that could potentially lift the dollar uh, if the outlook changes from, from where we're at right now. I think right now, though, we're mostly priced in. This is not, a, I don't think, an overly concern as we look at the bond yields are also kind of showing. No, this is the bond yields have kind of edged lower, uh, basically signaling, yeah, this is what we expected. Everything's, you know, there's no big surprise out there or we don't see a massive switch in momentum. So all on that front, yes, it's still a concern. Yes, it's still a, a, a going, uh, you know, uh, indicator that, you know, things could wrap up in the future, but uh, not faster than before. And of course, everyone's going to make me talk about cryptocurrency because Bitcoin rose 2.8%, uh, you know, a record high, uh, just under $68,000 US. Um, Mostly fueled, I talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, mostly fueled on that new futures um, uh, marketed, so be able to buy on the market in your portfolio, but marketed futures fund that you can uh, buy futures on the, uh, on the cryptocurrencies um, and you know, so more money flowed into it and given the limited supply, uh, anytime you have more money inflow, supply and demand just as it goes up. So uh, we're seeing uh, record highs there. Ethereum also making a big move, uh, another cryptocurrency. I've done a whole video on the types of crypto cryptocurrencies and not all the same. Uh, I suggest you go look at those if you wanna learn more about Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the other ones, or sorry, any of the other major ones, I don't cover them all. But also I will point out, I mentioned last week, there were a couple of rug pulls. So uh, that's what they call when, you know, scams are done on crypto where they get people to buy into a crypto, um, whether it be a new one or, or, or through a platform, uh, and then they just take off with your money and you know, you're left with nothing. So uh, there's, there's one in hundreds of millions, there's, you know, a couple in the tens of millions, twenties of millions. Uh, there've been quite a few in the last few weeks. So again, just, if you are going to invest in cryptos, know what you're buying and uh, know where you're buying, right? Really know your platform. Uh, I don't have a strong recommendation because I don't invest into it, but, uh, you know, I'd stay with a proven long-term platform. I always kind of mention uh, PayPal. I've never actually gone on to see how PayPal does the crypto transactions, but, you know, PayPal is a well-established um, money uh, payment uh, company 
uh, with a long history. So they're, you know, they're not, you know, going to rug pull tomorrow and disappear. So, uh, but look for something similar to that. Not recommended PayPal, you know, uh, look for something that you have confidence in. So mentioned the bond yields edge down a little bit uh, due to the recent volatility. Uh, but when you talk to the kind of the major, uh, you know, bond managers or uh, fixed income managers, they're still looking at that the interest rate hike for the first quarter of 2023. It's a lot of pressure potentially to do that a little bit earlier in 2022. And that's what we have to keep a close eye on. On the oil front, it's been a little bit of a ride. Uh, you know, as we've been talking about, we are in a bit of a pinch for the uh, supply and demand on, on energy and uh, oil specifically. Uh, you know, we saw oil kind of uh, top up near 80, uh, you know, the go down uh, closer to uh, um, uh, into the, to the high 70s and then back up to kind of, uh, sorry, almost 90 uh, down to the high 70s. You know, back up to 84 range and, and kind of back down to 82, 83. So it's been moving around quite a bit. Uh, we do expect we are an upward trend for this week. So keep an eye on that. Certainly when we look at the producers like Suncor and Exxon and, and the others, Suncor and Exxon are kind of our two main ones. Uh, we've seen massive runs in both of those. We just actually trimmed a little bit off our Suncor after it had a couple week run of 30%. Uh, never be shy about taking money off the table when you've made some money. So we didn't get out of Suncor. Uh, we still hold it, uh, but we did take some money off of that one. So, you know, don't be shy when you're going into these, these good times and some of those positions to take profits. You're never going to pick the very high of a stock and you never, when you sell and you're never going to pick the low of the stock. When you buy, you might get lucky every now and then, but for the most part, um, don't be shy of taking some profits off the table uh, on that front. Gold uh, wavered a little bit after hovering near uh, its highest point in just over two months. It's just over 18, uh, 1,800 an ounce. Uh, you know, basically looking at those inflation numbers, uh, slight weakening, um, you know, in the last couple of days. But for the most part, it's been holding in there. Uh, you know, gold's not getting, we've been talking about gold since the beginning of the pandemic because inflation has been a concern since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and we're really not going to see that move. I mean, it's been holding in great. Uh, because uh, we do have inflation, but probably not a strong move up until we start to see um, the actual interest rates move and some weakening in the, uh, in the equity markets. Uh, with that, that's end of today's discussions. Uh, if you joined us live, thank you very much. If you're listening on, um, on the podcast or you're watching on the video, go to MikeOnMoney.com with any of your questions. If there's a topic you want us to take a deeper dive into, go there and send it to us. Uh, anything at all, reach out to us. Happy to hear from you. Uh, hopefully you're having a great week. If you live in the lower mainland, certainly in the North Shore where I do, um, hopefully your power's back on soon. Uh, I know my place lost power in the middle of the night last night. And I don't think it's uh, going to be back on until four due to some high winds last night. So uh, hopefully uh, you've got power and you're not watching this on an iPad that's about to die. But, uh, but with that, I'll leave you again for this week and look forward to talking to you next week. Take care. Bye now.